so yeah, we've been going through the book of Mark, and uh, and this passage in Mark today is a passage that you know I I got I got to admit there's times that and I've admitted this before about how I look at the disciples sometimes and it just seems like you know they're buffoons or something you know but I mean the truth is is that that's us you know that you know all all of these things that we see them you know kind of. Uh, bumble in life, these moments where they don't believe or whatever. I mean, I mean that's that's so us. I mean, we struggle with those same things. Um, and 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 the truth is, is that this passage today, uh, same thing. This passage today, we're talking about the Pharisees. We come back to the Pharisees. Jesus has come back to a place, and and he's kind of getting he's kind of getting bum rushed, if you will, uh, by a group of Pharisees who are coming with the scribes, and basically this might as well be like, you know, uh, kind of a, you know, we're, we're coming to get you with our lawyers to like tell you about how you've been breaking the law kind of a thing. And, and, and so the, this whole moment is set up uh, where they're, you know, kind of surprising Jesus, of course Jesus is not really surprised, uh, surprising Jesus, so to speak, with, you know, all of the things that he's been doing wrong. And, and mainly there's, you know, one kind of main thing that uh, we're talking about today. And the truth is, is that there's something behind it. There's something behind what's, what's going on. And, and, and what it is, is they've been breaking tradition. And you guys know how tradition can be. Uh, you know, we, you know, oftentimes we love tradition. There's a lot of great things about tradition. And then oftentimes there's things about tradition that are maybe not good. Uh, and, and, and sometimes we cling to tradition and we cling to it while losing the meaning of why it was a tradition to begin with. And, and I think that that's kind of where they've gotten to. And, and Jesus talks a little bit about that. But in, in just kind of talking and thinking about the tradition thing, I just wanted to bring up a, a few little things of, you know, uh, what, you know we, we've talked about this, that, that, that there was a whole basic law that came alongside Scripture that men made. You know, that was like, it was not, it was not scripturally, you know, like, you know, this is from Scripture. It was man-made law that they thought were, was going to enhance, you know, seeking God, following God, and that kind of thing. And basically, it was, it was a book of rules, you know, it was what it was. And, and in fact, I think a lot of times, a lot of people take some of even those things from way back when that were made up, and they apply them to Christian walk, the Christian life, as if it is Scripture in some way, shape, or form, and it's not. And so, you know, just, just kind of even uh, to give you an example, I gave some examples of these several weeks back now, uh, a couple months ago, I think, uh, I gave some, some examples of this, but talking about keeping the Sabbath, we talked about a few of these uh, before, but I, I ran into a few more and I wanted to share them with you. Uh, in talking about keeping the Sabbath, which is, of course, you know, the, the holy day of the week where you're supposed to rest, God, you know, created the world in six days and he rest, rested on the seventh and, and he's called us to do so. He's still, he's still, by the way, he's still, you know, it's still meant for us to rest, to find rest. God created us needing rest, okay? And so in keeping the Sabbath, uh, there were, you know, one of the big things about keeping the Sabbath is you weren't supposed to work on the Sabbath. And so they would get so crazy with the rules that they came up with rules like this. You weren't supposed to look in a mirror on the Sabbath. And the reason you weren't supposed to look in the mirror is that when you looked in the mirror, you might see a gray hair and you might be tempted to pluck it out 
which would in turn be working on the Sabbath. That was a rule. This is in their book, okay? And it's, and, it's, and it's got plenty to go along with it. Here's another one. You weren't supposed to put your false teeth in on the Sabbath. Why? It was work. And especially, you know, if they fell out and you had to pick it up, well, that's work, you know? So you weren't supposed to put your false teeth in. Handkerchief, if you had a handkerchief, say uh, you were going to, you know, have this handkerchief that you'd use to blow your nose or whatever, uh, you weren't supposed to carry it on the Sabbath because carrying it would be seen as work. But there was a loophole. You could wear it. So like if you, if you wanted, you know, if, you were up, if it was upstairs and you were downstairs and you wanted to use it to blow your nose downstairs, well, then you'd go upstairs, okay, and you would put it on. Then you're wearing it. It's a garment. You're not working it, okay? And, and then you, you, could, you could wear it downstairs and then take it off and blow your nose, and then it's not work, okay? I mean, I mean the, 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 the insanity is, is, is so crazy. They debated, okay, there was a debate amongst these people. These were scholars, okay? All right? And again, it's so easy to like look at this stuff and go, you guys are crazy, stupid. What is going on, you know? And, but, you know, they, they debated the subject of what about if a guy had a wooden leg and his house caught on fire and the leg caught on fire and it's the Sabbath, can he put it out or not? There was a debate about that. We have historical documentation about this, okay? Spitting, spitting on the Sabbath. Could you spit? Could you not spit? It just depended where. Because if you spit, if you spit in the dirt and then you happen to kick that piece of dirt, you have suddenly cultivated the ground and you have worked. This is true. It's all true. Thank you, Kent Hughes, for helping me learn some of these great nuggets of joy. I mean, you know, th- this is this is. I mean, this is this is the way these people were thinking, and and so they couldn't just simply go with God's word. And and granted, you know, I'll say for us, man, we're so fortunate that you know we we have we have the whole of Scripture. We have Genesis to Revelation, sixty-six books. By the way, the sixty-six books. I have this conversation with people a lot because a lot of people don't know. You know how how did we how did we get what we have as the Bible, and somebody else's Bible is different than ours or whatever. The reason we have the sixty-six books that we have in Scripture is because those sixty-six books are the are the passages are the books that we see Jesus and or his disciples teach from throughout their ministries. That's what we have and why we consider those things uh, to be the Word of God. And so, uh, you know, as we go through Scripture, and we're blessed to be able to have the New Testament and get to see so much more of this, uh, I, think it's, I think it's good for us to be reminded of that, the blessing that we have, but not only that, to get to look back over the whole of Scripture, because Jesus didn't come to knock out the Old Testament, He came to fulfill it. Okay, and we're going to talk about that a little bit today. Mark, Mark seven. Let's let's look at Mark seven, uh, chap, uh, chapter seven, verse one, and it says this. It says, "Now when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of the disciples ate with hands 
sorry, ate with hands that were defiled. That is unwashed. Now, we, we talked a little bit about this, you know, unclean, defiled, you know, stuff here in the last several weeks as we've been talking about uh, different people that we see in Scripture, uh, then, you know, including like, you know, when they went and saw the guy who was like living in the cemetery, well, like, I mean, you weren't supposed to be near somebody that was dead or touch somebody who was dead. You'd be unclean for like a month or something crazy, uh, you know, which, and, and, and so here's the deal with the unclean thing. If you were unclean, you couldn't even go worship at the temple, okay? It'd be, it'd be like we'd have like Tony Crick standing out here at the front door when you're coming in and, and like, I don't know if he's like using like a UV light or something and he's like checking folks or something, but you know, he'd be like, you know, uh-uh, no, no, we heard about you this week. You, you, you know, you were up at the funeral home, you're out, you know, you go away. Uh, you can come back in three weeks, okay? Uh, you know, or whatever. And, and so, I mean, this was a big deal, this whole unclean thing, like you couldn't, you know, you couldn't get near other people, because if you were unclean, then you'd make them unclean. And so this unclean thing, this whole idea of being unclean, was such a huge thing for them that, that again, they made all of these rules and regulations to, like, keep people being clean, so to speak. One of the laws was you were supposed to wash your hands before you ate. And so the Pharisees have come with their scribes. Okay, these are like the guys who, you know, have got all of Scripture figured out, they think. And, you know, they're, like, like I said, it's almost kind of like the Pharisees and their legal team here, like coming to like bring down the law. And it says, and they saw some of the disciples ate with their hands that was defiled, that is, unwashed. Verse 3, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace and do not eat unless they wash. So talking about marketplace would be one of those places that you would be made unclean, that you would need to wash your hands and be ready. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels, and dining couches. So again, we're, I mean, it's like, you know, it's like you, you just started on like one little thing, and then here goes the rabbit hole of like all the things that they were supposed to do, you know, before they were uh, supposed to eat or be with anybody else, or, you know, I mean, just it's crazy, just crazy amounts of stuff here. And so, you know, it's bringing in not just the washing of hands now, but it's also talking about uh, all of this, you know, washing of cups and pots and pans and, and, and then the dining couches, you know. And I'm not sure exactly the process. I, in fact, it'd probably be funny to look up to see what it is. But there would be some process to how to clean the dining couch before you were even allowed to eat on it. And, and the truth is, is they weren't really like, you know, as far as hygiene goes, this whole washing of hands stuff, it really wasn't like all that clean. But the point is, and this is, this is where I think this is important for us to understand this, is that the point is, is that their, their hope, their idea here, their goal was that they were trying to make themselves clean for God, okay? Like, like despite how crazy, you know, some of the rules and the regulations that they had come up with were, the, the point that they were trying to get to is they were trying to make themselves clean for God, and the truth is that we do the same thing. We do the same thing. We, we, we struggle. We, you know, we've got you know, sin in our life, whatever, and we come, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do better. I'm gonna, you know, we constantly do this. I'm going to do better thing, or I'm going uh, to clean myself up before I can come to 
Jesus. You know, I can't tell you how many people I've had a conversation with over the years where they tell me, you know, I, I believe, I believe in who God is. I, I think I believe in Jesus, but before I, before I make a decision, before I, before I commit to that, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I need to get some stuff straight in my life. I'm going to clean myself up before I come to God. I want to be serious about it, and, you know, and I need to clean my, and, and, I, and I always look at them and I go, well, look, the truth is, is that we're dirty, and we need Jesus to make us clean. He's the one that's going to help us sort that stuff out. We can't possibly think that we're going to do that on our own. We need his help. We need his saving power. We need his grace. We need the blood that he shed on the cross to overcome our sins. Verse 5, it says, And the Pharisees and scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? You see see what they're saying there? Why do your disciples, you know, they they didn't go to the disciples. They didn't didn't like, hey, hey, we want to gather you guys up. We, We need to talk to you guys. No, they go to Jesus and they say, what's up with your disciples? Why have you led these guys into this sin, this awful thing of, you know, eating, eating a bag of chips without washing first, you know, or whatever it is. They had come from Jerusalem to talk to them. This was like a, this was like a serious, like, we're sending out the people. In other words, somebody saw this. Somebody saw the disciples, and, and, and there are always, always these people, and, and you probably have some of these people in your life, that are always, like, waiting for you to mess up so that they can, like, call you out, that they can make an example out of you, whatever. You, you, feel, you ever feel like there's people like that in your life? Uh, I've, I've seen some of that in my life over the years. And, and, and so there were people that were waiting for them to come up with something that they could get them on. You know what I'm saying? That they could that they could go back and they could they could tell they could tell the the Pharisees, tell the scribes at the temple, and be like, "Hey, you know, we were out there and we saw them, and guess what? Jesus and those disciples, they're out there eating and they're not washing their hands. We saw them picking blackberries over there, and they didn't even put their hands in the stream. This was a deal. Like they they sent these people after Jesus and his guys. You know." And then they come to him and they say, why do your disciples not walk in according to the tradition of the elders? It's a tradition. Tradition of the elders. The problem here, and Jesus is going to address it, is the tradition was that it was a tradition. It wasn't Scripture. Let's see what Jesus says, verse 6. And he said to them, well... Did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, the people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. So Jesus, I mean is quoting Isaiah here, 
and he's taking this passage from Isaiah, and he's saying, isn't this you? Oh, you, 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 came to, you came to call me out because we're not washing our hands enough for you to keep up the traditions of man. And so you're coming after us here, but let's just talk about your hearts here, okay? That's Jesus' response. Let's talk about your hearts. And, and to be honest with you, I love, I love that about Jesus, and I love that he goes straight to the point of like, there's something bigger going on here, and it's not keeping traditions, you're over here and you're teaching things. What's he say? The doctrines that you, that you are, you know, teaching as doctrines, the commandments of men. He's saying you're teaching these things that you guys came up with as rules and your forefathers or whoever came up with as rules that you are teaching them as if they are Scripture and they are not And he says in verse 8, you leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. You see what he's saying there? He's saying you're making tradition more important than the Scriptures itself. We ever do that? We, in 2018, I wanted to say like 19-something right then. Did you see that? Like we're 1999. Go Prince. But, you know, I mean, you know, I mean, we, we, we fall into this. We do this. We, we do this. I mean, you know, and, and, and you know, we say, well, we, you know, our church, is, our church is newer. We don't do that at our church. I mean, folks, I'll just be honest with you. We, we have to pay attention. We'll, we'll, we'll make a sacred cow out of anything. I mean, if, if we give it long enough, we do it enough, we'll find that we'll make a tradition and we will love that thing sometimes more than we love the Scriptures itself and maybe where God is leading us at times. It's a whole lot easier to be comfortable, you know, than it is sometimes to follow God and what He's wanting us to do. And that's true for the church. That's true for the body of believers. That's true for us as individuals. And it's just one of those things that we have to watch and we have to keep it in check. Verse 9, it goes on and it says, And he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. Ooh. I mean, this is, you know, they came at Jesus, but he's, he's, ready. he's ready for the call-outs. He says, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. It goes on, verse 10 says, for Moses said, this is still Jesus talking here, for Moses said, honor your father and mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father and mother, whatever you, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin." which that is given to God, I'll talk about that in just a second, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down and many such things you do. So, so okay, let's, let's go back. and will explain a little bit of this because some of this is like wording that we definitely are not used to using. Uh, and you can go look up some more of this and historical parts of this if you want to later on. Um, so Jesus comes back at them and is like, look, you, 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 I'll, I'll give you an example. You are currently right now, and, and he's, he's addressing them as the, the collective group of the Pharisees, the scribes, and probably even the temple really at this point. And he's saying, look, you guys, okay, 
you guys are currently allowing people to basically abandon their mother and their father. When Scripture says that you shouldn't do that, that you should honor them, and that you should care for them, and you guys instead have, have given, have made up this, this law that you can do Corbin with him. Now, here's, here's, what, here's what that means. Let's, let's talk about it for a minute. This, 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 this terminology, this Corbin deal, is the idea that if you were to die, you could leave your possessions to the church, to the temple, okay? You could, you, could, you know, all your possessions would go, you know, to be sold or whatever, and the proceeds would go uh, to the temple, and so uh, there was a place for this and that, that wasn't wrong, but they had made a law, they had made it law that you could, if you wanted to, let's just say you didn't really like your parents, okay, and you grew up and you're like, well, my parents get on my nerves and I don't want them, you know, I don't want to deal with them, I don't want to take care of them, that there was a way, there was a way historically that, that you know, you as children would take care of your parents as they age and grow old until they pass away, but... If you didn't want to do that, you had all right to their finances, and instead of them being able to have those finances to be cared for in their later years, you could call Corbin on those finances to go to the temple, and they'd basically be out on the street, and you'd be like, sorry, what's up? We gave it to God. We're just doing something holy over here. And Jesus is like, uh-uh, no. Jesus is like the opposite of a TV preacher, you know, <laughs> on this, of most of them anyway, not all of them, where he's, where he's like, you know, it, it, taking their money and giving it to the church, not a good thing. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to take care of your family. You're supposed to care for your parents in their later years. And Jesus calls it out for what it is. And he's like, this little, this little tradition you guys got going on here with it, here's just one of them, I'm going to pick it out. And it's wrong. It's wrong. And there's a whole lot more to it. Won't get time-wise, won't get into it, but you, you can check out more about that if you want to. goes on in verse 14. It says, and he called the people to him and said to them, hear me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. This is huge. This is huge, folks. I mean, this is like, this is big. This is big for us. Like, like for us to, to see this, like he's basically, you know, he's, he's saying, look, you, know, you, got all these, you got all these rules, you got all these regulations you guys came up with that you made up to go along with Scripture, and then now, you know, I'm, I've already said, but, you know, just as a reminder, um, you're loving those things more than you're loving Scripture, you're keeping those, and you're not keeping Scripture, you're not keeping God's Word, but you're keeping the Word of men. And in turn, what you're trying to do is you're trying to make yourself clean by doing outside things. That's an outside-in approach to trying to fix ourselves. And we can look at that and go, man, they're crazy. Why would they think that? But we do that all the time. Don't we? We do that all the time. God, I know I had not been doing so good last few weeks, so I'm going to drag the family to church this week and... Uh, 
I hope that helps with me and you, you know, God. And uh, I'll tell you what, if my neighbor asks me again if I would help mow their yard, I'll think about it, okay? Okay, God, I'm I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna try to do better. I'm going to try to do some good things. I'm going to try to love people. I'm, I might even bring you up to people. God bless, you know. I mean, you know, you know that's, that's, that's how we approach our relationship with God sometimes. If we're just, if we're just being honest, and he, he's like, I, I don't want you to do outside in. I'm going to read that again. It says, hear me, all of you, and understand, verse 14, and in the 15, there is nothing outside a person that is going in going into him can that can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. What does he mean by that? The things that come out of a person are what defile him. Well, I have a feeling he's going to tell us. Verse 17. And when he had entered the house and left the people, the disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then are you also without understanding? He's looking at the disciples going, you, you, didn't, you didn't get what I just taught? Okay, all right, here we go. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him? Verse 19, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled. So, so here we're getting into Jesus talking about one of their laws and traditions of like things that they could eat or not eat based upon them being clean or unclean. And again, this is all tied together. This is all tied together. All of these, all of these laws, all of these things are all tied together with this, with this idea of this like clean and unclean and what's going to defile you and what's going to keep you clean so that you can approach God and all that kind of stuff. And so then, you know, here again, Jesus brings up something else. He's talking about what you put into your body. So I'm out. He's talking about literally food, okay? He's like, you know, what you put in, says verse 18, then you are also without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? And I think you know what expelled means. Thus he declares all foods clean. We have a note there. So Jesus is coming alongside something and he's, I mean, he's making, he's making a huge statement here. At this point in time, they had believed up, up to this point because of teachings from earlier things in Scripture that there were foods that they shouldn't eat and foods that they should eat to be clean to approach God. Now, some of that's biblical, okay? So he's, he's referring back to the Old Testament about some of these teachings but the truth is, is, he's, is he's, he's making a statement here. It says, thus he declared, right there. Thus he declared, and, and the meaning here of what he's getting at, getting at in this declaration isn't a, the Old Testament was wrong. He's saying, I have come to fulfill it. You no longer have to be consumed with what you consume. You no longer have to be worried about whether or not you could eat that rack of ribs that smells real good on the barbecue that your Gentile brothers down the street have been cooking, and you're like, man, that sure does smell good. I wish we could eat some of that. Bacon, game on. Right there. 
That's the bacon verse. And, 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 here, and here's the beauty of it. The beauty of it is, is Jesus isn't just trying to make a statement about food. Jesus doesn't care about that. I mean, he did give it to us to bless us with it, and that's great and all that. But the truth is, is that he's making a bigger statement. Let's go on, verse 20, and it says, And he said, What comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of our heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. I think he's covered all of us at this point. It's somewhere, you know, if you don't see yourself in there, we'll come see me later. We'll talk. We'll go through your stuff. We'll find something. Verse 23, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What Jesus is saying, he's like, this is a heart issue. This is a heart issue. The rules about what you can and cannot eat don't apply here because they don't go into your heart, they go into your stomach. And I'm worried about your heart. I'm concerned about your heart. Where is your heart? Where is your heart? There's lots of stuff that we see from the rules and the regulations and all these things about what's clean and what's not clean. And the whole the whole thing that they're trying to do is they're trying to get closer to God. They're trying to make themselves a people who are pleasing to God. They're trying to fix themselves from the outside in. And Jesus is saying very simply, look guys, it's not about what you can do from the outside in. It's about what I can do from the inside out. Where are our hearts today? Where are our hearts today? The truth is, is that we try to fix ourselves too. We try to make ourselves clean. And, 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 the, and, and I think that there's this innate nature in us that recognizes that we are not clean. We're not clean. I, I was reading, um, and I'll forgive me for not having the resource. I'm glad to share it later. Uh, I was reading an article that was shared in a commentary about Mark and about this passage that was talking about a lady who's an editor for a lot of women's magazines. And, and she, she'd written, and it had this long list of all these women's magazines she'd written for. And she got to talking about celebrities. Her, her name's Kelly. Um, anyway, she got to talking about all these celebrities. And in talking about all these celebrities, she was talking about how that we as a culture are infatuated with celebrities, aren't we? I mean, we kind of, you know, there's this, you know, this whole thing going on where it's like, oh, you know, oh, that happened to that person this week, and that happened to this person this week, and oh, no, you know, I, I even saw some people this week, you know, uh, over something that was really sad that happened to somebody that's famous. You know, they, they were very emotional, and they were very, you know, just concerned and hurt and all those kinds of things. Um, but almost to a fault sometimes, we are so concerned with who they are and looking up to them. 
And, and the thing, the point that she was making was she was saying, you know, that she senses that people in general do that and love them so much and want to be like them because they seem to have it all together and they seem to be perfect and they look perfect and they have perfect hair and perfect skin and, you know, all, all of these things and get to do all these things. And she said, in actuality, in, all of the, in most of the situations that I've been around with celebrities, they don't have it all together. In fact, not only do they not have it all together, they're hardly functioning except for that they've got teams of people that just kind of push them from one thing to the next and that we as maybe what we might call normal people have it a, quite a bit more together normally in life than they do. And, and she just it was admitting that she feels, she feels dirty, clean, unclean, to even be a part of the process that leads people to see those people in a light that's really not even true. We have within us an understanding that we have a need. We, we have a need for something more, for something else, that, that we're not clean, that we're not okay just alone. Number one, we're made for community, we're made to be with other people, which is why we're called to be a part of the church, to be a part of the, the bride, the body of Christ. And for us just to be able to take a minute, sit back, think about what is it in our lives that we're chasing down, trying to fulfill something that really can only be filled by Christ himself. We'll, we'll seek after doing good things instead of asking God to lead us in the plan that he has for our life. You see the difference in those things, right? We could do good things, but we could also just seek the Lord and allow him to lead us into whatever things that he has for us. That's, that's, two, that's two totally different things. One of those is all us and feeling good about ourselves, and the other one is pursuing Jesus and being led by the Holy Spirit to act out on opportunities as he brings them to light in our lives. Our hearts are wicked. Our hearts are wicked. I've picked at this and made fun of this for years, but, you know, like you go to people's houses and you know, they got all these sayings on the walls and stuff. I love all these sayings on people's walls, especially the ones that are like, like straight on the wall. And I'm like, oh, you like that enough to put that on the wall? You got a tattoo of it too? You know, that's what I'm thinking, you know. And, and, and it'll be, you know, like bless our home or, you know, uh, out loud we'll just say bless your heart. Of course, we know what all that means. But, um, you know, but one of them that you see is follow your heart. Follow your heart. It sounds so nice, doesn't it? It sounds so nice. Follow your heart. Well, I, I mean, that couldn't possibly be bad, right? Let's read a little passage out of Jeremiah 17. Verse 9, and it says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search your heart and test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. I'm not trying to kick you down with that 
kick you while you're down with that passage. But I think that it's important for us to recognize that if it's left up to us, if we try to go this alone, it's going to lead us to a deceitful place. Our hearts will deceive us into thinking oftentimes things that are good are not good. And it is why that over the years I've ended up in conversations with people who you know, are wanting to even justify sin. They'll come to me and go, well, I mean, this is okay because I just know in my heart that it, you know, it's okay, right? I mean, I know the Bible says something about it, but I, you know, I'm thinking that really God's put it on my heart to sin is basically where that conversation always goes. And I, I just always, obviously, I always want to be loving and, and listening and all that because we've all been there. The truth is, is we've all been there. It's not like any of us in this room hasn't ever been there where we're trying to justify sin in our mind. We do that all the time. The truth is with even just the littlest of sins, we justify them in our heart. Well, you know, the grace of Jesus is enough. It'll be okay tomorrow. The sin, you know, the blood was shed for even the things that I'll do today. I know it, you know, praise God. You know, I'll just go ahead and, and do this, you know. Our hearts will deceive us if we will let them. We need Jesus. We need Jesus and we need God to lead us. We need the Holy Spirit to lead us. We need to listen to him and not just listen to our hearts. Listening to our hearts is a great thing to do if we are pursuing Jesus really hard. And and here's how that works. If we're pursuing Jesus really hard, our hearts begin to change. You know what I'm talking about? You ever notice how like you can hang out with somebody and they're really passionate about something that you didn't care less about five minutes before you met them, but five minutes into the conversation, they are so passionate about this one thing that, that you're like, huh, I might get into that. That sounds interesting. You know what I mean? You know, and, and what it is, it's, you know, it's that, you know, your heart is being led, you're hearing the passion. I was like, oh, that must be really cool. You know, if we, if we pursue Jesus, like we pursue stuff on this planet, our hearts will change and our hearts will begin to look more like his. Now, it's, I'll be honest, it's a constant struggle to the day we die. And we know that. But the truth is, is that through God's grace and his mercy, he allows us to get to be a part of his will, to be used by him to love others, to glorify him, that others might know who he is because they know us. We need our hearts to be made clean, but we can't do it. We need Jesus to do it for us. And Jesus isn't dissing the Old Testament when he says, hey, all the foods are clean. He's saying, I came to fulfill it. And all those things that were back there that, were, that you guys were doing, all those sacrifices, all of those things, yeah, you were supposed to do those things, and good on you if you did them and all that, because really the point was, was those were things to help you to keep on a track to pursue God, to remember who he is. But guess what? I'm here now, and the new kingdom has come, and everything has changed. Because I didn't come to abolish it. Jesus says, I have come to fulfill it. He's come to make it complete. 
And we no longer need to follow a bunch of those things in order for us to pursue God. Instead, Jesus has come that He might give His life. That through Him, we might not just pursue God, but we would have a relationship with Him through through Jesus Himself. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I'll say it again. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We desperately need Jesus. And through him, And the work that he has done, if we believe in him, trust in him to be our Savior, I'm here to tell you something today. He puts his righteousness on us, and when we stand in front of the Father one day, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. That's amazing. And we don't deserve it. But man, how awesome is it that he loved us so much to send his son to die for us, to make us clean. We, we can't make ourselves clean, but he can make us clean. And this morning, I just, I'll just remind us of this. And, 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 and I, think, I think as simple as it is, we need to be reminded of it because sometimes we, we pursue God instead of pursuing God and how he wants, us, wants to lead us. We pursue God with just trying to do good things, okay? And there's, there's that fine line of like falling over into the legalism thing and doing the checklist thing, you know? But, but the truth is this, all right? You ready for this statement? I think you know it, but I'm gonna say it anyway. Here goes. The blood of Jesus is enough, The blood of Jesus is enough. 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 It's enough. It's enough. Believe in him. Believe in him, and there won't be a working on this from the outside in. If you believe in him and you trust in him, the Holy Spirit will come and live in your heart. And an amazing thing will happen. He will not change you from the outside in. He will change you from the inside out. Only Jesus can do that. And if you're here today and you've never trusted in Christ, I just encourage you. If he's speaking to your heart today, listen to that. Come talk to one of us. Let's just pray with you and talk to you about it. No pressure involved. This is is safe space, okay? We want people to come here and wrestle through uh, you know, what they believe and, and, you know, all of that stuff. There's no pressure to that. We don't do that. We trust that God is the one who saves, and he will if you'll let him. Let him work on your heart. Let him speak to you. The blood of Jesus is enough. Let's pray together. God, we come as your people this morning, and we ask for you to lead us. And help us to not fall into the trap of trying to just do a bunch of good things. But God, I pray that we would be led by you. And we would allow you to lead our lives. That you would show us the things. 
that you want us to do, that you would allow us to be a part of supernatural, amazing things, Lord, that only you do, not for the sake of of us getting the thrill, but because we want to be used by you, that we would be found faithful and that you would be glorified in our lives. God, for every person that is listening to this that has not trusted in you to be their Savior, God, I pray that today would be the day that you would do a work in them. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done for us. Thank you for the opportunity that we have, Lord, to trust in you, to be your children, to be a part of your family. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.